A very good morning, everyone. I'm Jason. It's my privilege and joy to share God's words uh, with you this morning. Uh, thank you, Elder GC, for leading us uh, in service. And also, a big thanks to Sindrik as he's walking out there. It's his first time uh, leading us in song. So, good job, Sindrik. You know, I never realized that the world is broken until I have kids. Some of you still don't know what I'm talking about, but wait till they become teenagers. You know, from a young age, kids have never been very good at submitting to your authority. You know, you may be the boss at office, managing a team of staff, but guess who calls the shots at home? especially over the dinner table. Behind their cute facade is a little monster who doesn't take no for an answer and terrorise us with their tantrums and meltdowns. My son used to be a five-year-old monster. He has a mind of his own. He did not submit to my authority. And so whenever, he, uh, whenever we go out shopping, and I asked him to hold my hands, he had problem obeying my instructions. So he was stubborn and he wanted to exert his autonomy. And so there was once where we went out shopping and he refused to hold my hand and he ran forward. And lo and behold, he was lost. And I lost him. And I got extremely worried. Now what if danger and harm would come upon him? What if I would never see him ever again. And actually, I, I did not manage to find him. So our rebellion against authority is likely to get worse as we progress into our teenage years. Sure, we blame it, blame it on puberty and thinking that it's this teenage angst is just a passing phase. But soon it will become full-blown when we enter into adulthood our disdain for authority and our rebellion continues on. Now, I know some of us may have broke the law and got arrested. Some of us may have broke the law and got fined. But I believe many of us broke the law and never got caught. So amongst here, uh, whoever broke Singapore's law, okay, speeding law included, uh, stealing stationaries included, okay, raise your hand. Without, they have not been caught. Who have broke the law and have not been caught? Okay, we, we don't see too many honest people around here, but anyway. <laughs> Can I have the first slide? So as we begin the, our two-way series, uh, God's diagnosis of humanity's problem is summed up in Isaiah 53, verse 6, the first half. It tells us that we all... Can we read this together? It's supposed to be the memory verse. Huh? So by the end of this sermon, uh, I pray that you will remember this verse. Okay? Okay, one, two, three. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Isaiah 53, verse 6. Uh, those of you who know the Colin Buchanan song, just delete the Baba do Baba in between, okay? If you know what I'm talking about. See, our problem in life is not simply about making bad choices or decisions in life. Our problem is that we tend to wander away from God and get lost in life. You see that we all reject God as our ruler 
See, so uh, if you look at the picture over there, the diagram, that circle in the middle, it's God's good uh, world that he has created. And that crown uh, is God. The big crown is God. And because we rejected him as ruler, we have cancelled him from our lives. And we put a small crown upon ourselves. And now we have rebelled against God's way and we want to rule the world. But you and I, we are not very good rulers. So we bring harm to ourselves to each other, and to this good world. But to understand the genesis of this, we need to go back to the beginning, back to the garden where it all began. You know, back in the garden, we were told last week that God is the good ruler and creator. He made the world, and He made us to rule this good world, giving thanks and honour to Him. But we see that the rebellion began in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, You may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. See, God is such a generous ruler. He gave humanity an all-you-can-eat buffet spread in the garden. God said you're free to eat from any tree, or in some translation, every tree in the garden. You know, the durian tree, I believe, was there in the garden as well, right? Those of us who love durian. But the serpent made Eve doubt God's generosity and His grace. The serpent wants Eve to focus on the negative, to be formal, to focus on what she has missed out. He asked this question, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? And Eve's reply diminishes God's generosity. If you notice the subtle difference in her reply, instead of, no, God said that you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, now it's just we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. Perhaps in Eve's mind, this is not an all-you-can-eat buffet spread after all. So the seed of doubt and discontentment has been sowed. You know, friends, we, we too doubt God's goodness and generosity in our lives. You know, everything that we have in life comes from God. We didn't get many things or most things from Him. We got all things from Him. And guess what? Instead of being thankful to God, we are often discontented because we focus on what He didn't give us and we murmur against Him. I recall many years ago when uh, not long after I graduated from school and I started work, you know, I was young and enthusiastic about work. You know, the, the saying goes, new broom sweeps clean, right? I was that new broom at that time. Until I found out that a new teammate 
who just joined a company and hold the same job title as me is earning slightly more than me. And then I started to be very dissatisfied at work. So brothers and sisters in Christ, don't ask your colleague how much they are earning. No, don't compare how much bonus you receive. You know, for students, don't compare your results. Huh? Don't compare your PSLE, O-level, A-level results. Okay? Instead of questioning what God didn't give you, we should always thank God for what He has blessed us with. And next, we see that Adam and Eve rebel against God as the lawgiver through their disobedience. God sets the rules in the garden. Why? Because He's God. His command and prohibition is specific and clear. God said, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But now notice that Eve wants to play God by rewriting and redefining the rules. And in her reply to the serpent, she omits the name of the tree which contains the rationale for not eating from it. God said, you must not eat from this tree. Ah? This tree is called the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, good and evil. Okay, cannot eat from this tree. But Eve dropped the, the name of the tree. She also added on to God's command, you must not touch it. A statement, a command that God apparently never made. And she also claimed that you must not touch it or you will die. No death for just touching the fruit, subtly suggesting that this God is very petty and unreasonable. And in our attempt to self-rule, we too rebel against God as lawgiver. When we challenge God by trying to redefine what has created and what he calls good. No, we, we redefine what is gender. That gender is not God-given, but what we identify ourselves with. We redefine the meaning and boundary of marriage and sex. We endorse same-sex marriages and we cohabitate, cohabitate with one another. We redefine what a human being is by refusing to identify a baby in the mother's womb as human. And we support the abortion of unwanted pregnancies because you're not killing a human, merely a fetus. And advocating for the murder of an unborn child in the name of human rights is deep irony. And so we call good evil and evil good when we pervert God's prohibition and set our own morality, we depose God as ruler and set ourselves on the throne. Next, we see that we rebel against God as judge and we disregard His judgment. God said, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. But the serpent lied to Eve and belittled God's judgment. The serpent said, you will not certainly die. And the serpent goes on to accuse God of harboring selfish motives, of not acting in the best interests of humanity. He says, for God knows, God knows, that your eyes will be open, 
you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Look, this, this is what you are missing out. You can be God. You don't have to live under His rule. And God knows this. But He doesn't want you to know this. And so when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So when we listen to the lies of the serpent, we disregard all that God has already given us. So for Adam and Eve, they disregard that God has already created them in His image, but yet they wanted to be God. That they live under His good and wise rule, but they wanted self-rule. That they have dominion over all the creatures, but they foolishly submit to one creature and wanted to have dominion over God. It's like you can't even manage one subordinate, yet you want to take over your boss and run a Fortune 500 company. They are free to eat from the trees that God declared good. But they wanted that one tree that God declared not good. And they wanted wisdom apart from God. And so we see that they disregard the consequences of facing God's judgment. And here we see in just this uh, single verse, the actions happen very fast. It tells us she saw she took, she ate, she gave, and he ate it. Suggesting that they couldn't care less about the consequences of facing God's judgment. And brothers and sisters in Christ, often we share in Adam's, Adam and Eve's rebellion against God. The deceiver still whispers the same lies in our, into our ears. You will not certainly die. You can disregard God, you know. And when we disregard God, we disregard God when we trivialize our offenses and make excuses for our sins. We tell ourselves, I sin. You know why? Because I got no choice, ma, right? Not like I'm the only one doing it. Ah, yeah, just do once only, law. No? A Bible really, God say, cannot do me. No, God will surely forgive me, one. His, his grace and mercy is boundless. No? Ah, yeah, never mind. Other people do it all the time also. Don't worry, no big deal. Yeah, I promise, this time uh, is my last time. I will stop after this. And so, we too fall for the same lies as Adam and Eve. And so Adam and Eve rebel against God as the generous giver, as the lawgiver, and as judge over their life. But you know what? The last straw that brought the camels back comes in their response to God after this sin. In verses 7 and 8, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed thick leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So we see that ashamed, they now need to put on barrier in the form of thick leaves to cover themselves from each other and from God. Guilty, they went into hiding. So instead of having dominion and caring for the garden, humans are nowhere 
to be seen. But God knew exactly where they were in the garden. And God seek them out in order to bring them to repentance. So, he confronted them with three sets of questions. Where are you? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now, in parenting, when I ask my kids, who didn't flush the toilet? Why did you pinch your brother? I'm not asking for information. Yeah, only me and my son at home. I ask him, who didn't flush the toilet? Right? <laughs> I'm looking for a confession and repentance. And so these three questions, they were God's grace towards Adam to be truthful and vulnerable before God because he's good, gracious, and forgiving. But there was no confession that day. No, I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry. Instead, Adam pushes the blame on God and Eve. No, God, the woman you put here with me, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And while Eve pins the blame on the serpent. And the serpent looked back, eh, nobody. And so the serpent was punished and cursed as well. But what's the result of humanity's rebellion against God? We see that God gave us over to the desires of our hearts to self-rule. One of the greatest punishments is that God don't withhold evil and say, you want to go astray? Go ahead. And so humanity, they are expelled from Eden and cut off from God cut off from his wisdom. And so now we live as fools without him. Cut off from his love. And the first murder happened in Adam and Eve's family. Cut off from his blessings and we live under his curses. Cut off from his holiness and goodness. And so now it's just moral corruption and evil. You know, if you flip the streets times, I would say seven out of the eight news in there or seven out of ten, ten news in there are all bad news of human depravity. There's no peace in our life without God. There's no order. There's no life. And so God mandated the death penalty on humanity because of high treason. Romans 6.23 tells us, for the wages of sin is death. And more about that uh, the next few weeks. And so, what did our rebellion resulted in? Let's read this together. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Isaiah 53, verse 6. And so, lost sheep are foolish sheep. They're blind, and they are susceptible to wolves in sheep clothing. And so, Psalm 14 tells us, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. So, 
I wasn't born into a Christian family and I wasn't a Christian for the first 18 years of my life. I was blind to who God is. And so I worshipped many idols, but I didn't know the one true creator God. And when my dad had cancer, I was desperate and had no peace. I turned to my idols, but they gave me no assurance and comfort. And I, and I had no wisdom to know how to live my life. And I make it my purpose to be hostile towards Christians. And I find joy in mocking God. I could only see the hypocrisy of Christians, but I was blind to my own sins. I was lost, clueless to my origin, why I existed. Clueless to my purpose in life. I was trying to find purpose in life through achievements. But guess what? I was lousy in studies and sports, so I felt like a loser my whole life. I was clueless and lost to my final destination, so I was fearful of death and the unknown. So many of us here this morning profess to be Christians, but we may still live as fools. Instead of living for God's glory and honour, we hunger for power and achievement. We, we desire glory and honour so that we can leave a lasting legacy for ourselves. And in every relationship, we want to call the shot over others and be God. We want to paint ourselves as a perfect person who saves the world. And we pastors are also in danger of doing that, especially here up in the pulpit, where sometimes we may be in danger of exalting ourselves rather than exalting Christ. So we are still trying to be gods to run our own lives. And so let me just ask you a couple of questions to uh, just do a spiritual check on you, whether you are self-rule or God-rule. In your family, who sits on the throne? Is it the father, the mother, or Lord Jesus Christ? In your conversation with friends, would it reflect that Jesus is your Lord? In your decisions in life, be it your career, your studies, or who you want to marry, is it God-glorifying or self-glorifying? Is Jesus king over what you view on your screen, what you watch, and what you listen to? And when you are behind the wheels, is Jesus still in control of your life? Is prayer your first or your last resort? You pray only when your self-rule fail. And reading the Bible, does God's word rule over us? Or is it missing in your life? You know, the burden of self-rule crushes us. You know, self-rule slogans such as, believe in yourself, you are braver than you think, more talented than you know, capable of more than you imagine. How about this one? Believe in your infinite potential. Your only limitations are those you set upon yourself. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are crushed under the weight and burden of these lies and false expectations because we simply cannot live up to it. You know, 
I'm struggling with addiction and I'm supposed to depend on myself that has failed me so many times. No, I'm so burnt out trying to rule my own life. Ruling my own life caused me anxiety because I have no control over my life. I have no control over the hearts of my kids and I have no control over what's going to happen to me when I walk out of this place. See, we were created to depend on God because He is your creator and He cares for you. And He's way stronger, wiser, and bigger than you are. So brothers and sisters in Christ, true freedom is to live in obedience to God and to depend on Him on a daily basis. And God has also given you this loving community called the family in Christ. And oftentimes in life, we need, we need to be taught, encouraged, warned, strengthened, forgiven, healed, restored, counsel, love, rebuked, and delivered all things we cannot provide for ourselves. And so the, the burden of self-rule crushes us. Next, we see that the folly of self-rule hurt others. No lies like, chase your dream, follow your heart as long as it makes you happy. No, what if my dream is not to take care of my wife and my family, my kids? What if my dream is this other married woman in office? What if following my heart as long as it makes me happy, when my heart tells me that caring for my sick and aged parents doesn't make me feel very happy and I want to walk away from them? And self-rule, well, they blind us to our own sin and folly. You know, part of blindness of sin is our tendency to be very irritated by the sins of others and not our own. Where we, only, we, we are only able to see this, we are blind to our own sins and we are only able to see the sins of others and determine that they are bigger sinners than us. So remember the uh, earlier story about my son's rebellion and getting lost? Here is the full story. It wasn't his foolishness that he got lost, but it was mine. You know, I was foolish because I wanted to teach him a lesson because he refused to hold my hand. And so when we went out to the shopping mall and then he was walking in front of me, I told my daughter, say, because my wife was away in Barcelona for work at the time, so I told my daughter, let's play a prank on your brother. Wow, such a clever dad. So what, what, what prank did we play upon him? So we ran into Giordano. Yeah, this is not a sponsored advertisement. Huh? So I, we ran into Giordano to hide among the clothing so that he will walk and then turn around then can't find us then he will panic, right? Yeah, then we will like jump out of Giordano and say, surprise, teach you your lesson, you should have hold my hands. But guess what? When he turned around and realized that we are not there, he dashed into the crowd and was lost. So me and my daughter, we ran out of the of the of Giordano and we lost him and and in my panic I called my wife in Barcelona and told her dear I lost our son then she uh, she her reply to me is I'm in Barcelona what do you want me to do so so you see my foolishness and she broke down and cried you know and I got so upset with my son you know and 
And later on, I found out this little five-year-old, he managed to uh, cross the road, take a leave with a random stranger and went back home by himself. That's where my, my helper called me. And so I got back home. Instead of hugging and comforting him, you know what I did? First thing I did, I took out a kid and I cane him many times. I can't remember how many. Maybe you ask him, he'll remember. <laughs> and the reason I gave myself was I was worried sick for him. He's such a stubborn boy and I wanted to teach him a lesson that he will remember for the rest of his life. But looking back, the underlining reason was why I came him was I lost control of my son and I didn't like it. He has ruined my evening. He made me look stupid and bad to my wife. I felt lousy for making my wife cry and worry. But I was blind to my own, by my own pride and foolishness. All I saw was this rebellious and foolish five years old. And my pride prevented me to say sorry to my then five-year-old son. How can I be wrong? Gods don't say sorry to mere mortals. <laughs> you know, he's 14 this year. For the past nine years, I didn't surface this. And so... Um, I'm so sorry, my son, uh, for killing you uh, some nine years ago. Um, Daddy was wrong. I was foolish uh, to put that prank on you. That backfire. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so Isaiah 53, verse 6 tells us, let's read this together. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Isaiah 53, verse 6. And so, what hope is there for rebels and lost sheep like us, blind to our own lostness? Well, if I don't tell you the answer is Jesus, then I should be sacked from my job. Huh? So Jesus and his mission to seek and to save the lost. Because Jesus came to call sinners to come out of hiding, of self-rule, and to come home to God. Now, what could seduce a man to betray his family and to sell out his country to live as a pariah? What could seduce a man to betray his family and country, sell out his country? Well, the love of money. In Luke 19, we meet Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Zacchaeus, we know that he loved money. Why? Because his job was to exact extract taxes from the Jews, his own people, on behalf of the Romans. And often, he extracted more than the required and has hence profited from his people's misery. And Zacchaeus, he, was, he wasn't just an ordinary tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He at the top of the food chain. And although he was very, very wealthy, he was despised by his countrymen for being a traitor. And now Jesus was passing through town and Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but it was crowded. And I believe at that time, no one would make space to allow such a corrupted official to go to the front to meet Jesus. And so Zacchaeus climbed up a sycamore fig tree to catch a glimpse of this Jesus to observe him from a distance. But despite the huge crowd, 
Jesus didn't simply walk past Zacchaeus. He came to seek Zacchaeus out. And Jesus, he found Zacchaeus and offers grace. Why? For it is his mission to seek and to save the lost. Verse 5 tells us, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. He did not say, I would like to stay at your house. He said, I must stay at your house today. So in today's context, uh, Jesus' own self invite own self, right? He self-invited himself, right, into Zacchaeus' life. For Jesus saw his visit to Zacchaeus as part of his divine mission. See, despite all the flaws and ugliness of Zacchaeus, Jesus was willing to associate himself with this lost sheep, to come out of the hiding and to come home to God. For Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And Zacchaeus, he led Jesus into his life and into his heart. Zacchaeus, unlike Adam and Eve who went into hiding, Zacchaeus didn't run away from Jesus. Verse 6, but he hurried and came down and received Jesus with joy. See, his willingness to allow Jesus, the good shepherd, to come close into his home and into his life meant that he's no longer lost. And Zacchaeus, he was earlier, he was self-root, root by his love for money. Now his self-root has diminished. He goes on to tell us that Zacchaeus gave away his money and made restitution. For now, money, the love of money, is not ruling his life, but Jesus is. But however, the crowd who was also lost and blind, their pride blinded them. They only saw the sins of Zacchaeus and his unworthiness and not their own sins. And so they didn't recognize the shepherd and miss him out. And they grumbled against Zacchaeus and Jesus. No, brothers and sisters in Christ, friends, we ident- some of us may identify ourselves with Zacchaeus. Perhaps our self-rule have hurt others in our lives. Perhaps our self-rule have crushed ourselves and make us hated by others. And if you have been hearing about Jesus and all that he has done and have been observing him from a distance, today, today is the day that Jesus wants to come into your life. So receive Jesus with joy and allow him to sit on the throne of your heart. And Jesus went on to offer royal pardon on the cross to fully lead Zacchaeus and other lost sheep to come to God. Now, in, um, in many other countries, uh, high treason, trying to rebel and overthrow the government is a serious offence. Right? In, in the past, it's not uncommon for the death penalty to be imposed for high treason. And so in Singapore... If you are on death row, okay, some of you might know this, and your appeal, your, your appeal to the appeal of court has been rejected, there is only one person in Singapore who can save you. Only the president of Singapore can grant you the presidential clemency if you're on death row. And so the Bible tells us that while we were God's enemies, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to offer us the royal pardon, to die for us, 
And Jesus' death on the cross, he died so that we can now come to God and not become God. We no longer have to boast in our goodness and our achievements and wisdom, but we can boast in Christ. We no longer die under the burden of trying to be gods. Through Jesus, we are liberated to be humans, to come to God, to admit our sins and receive full forgiveness. We no longer have to mess up our lives with our self-rule, but to live under His good rule. And so church, Jesus' mission to seek and to save the lost now belongs to us. For us to, to go out to invite lost sheep to come out of their hiding and to come home to God through Jesus. In this two-way to live series, you know, it's about calling sinners out to give up self-rule and to come back to live under God's rule. You know, there must be an urgency for us to seek the lost. I can't tell you how urgent or how desperate I was when my son was lost at the shopping mall. You know, some of us, we would have lost our pet, and guess what? We have put up reward, right? $500, $5,000, you know? Or some of us, maybe if you have lost your mobile phone at Changi Airport and you drove all the way back to Jurong already, right? I'm sure you have drove back from Jurong to Changi Airport just to retrieve your lost phone, isn't it? Then what about a lost person who's created in God's image? We need to be desperate for them. We need to cry out to God for the lost by praying for them, to cry out to God for opportunities, to cry out to God for the softening of their hearts, and to cry out to God for our own faithfulness to step out of our comfort zone to share Christ with them. So I'd like to challenge you just to commit one person to God in prayer this week. We are also called to go out to the lost. Why the lost can't come to Jesus on their own? Because they are lost. We need to go to them. And lordship, they are scattered everywhere. Lordship, you can find them at your workplaces, at your schools, at your local clubs, at your gyms. So be intentional about meeting lordship. But to go out, to call out to the lost, to proclaim Christ to them, not to cancel sinners, not to call their sins to cancel them, but to reconcile them back to God so that their sins are cancelled. To offer them liberation and not condemnation. So there's no need to hide or to cower in fear and shame of God. So that lordship can come out of their hiding and come home to God. I'm gonna, this is the litmus test, okay? Isaiah 53 verse 6, huh? okay, 1, 2, 3. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has gone to our own way. Isaiah 53 verse 6. May we share the same heartbeat of our Lord Jesus Christ to go out to seek and to save the lost. Let us stand and pray.